than bubble. I'm, I'm with you guys on when you think of bubbles, isn't the first thing that you think of bursting. Put it on the pole. Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh, and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. Today, we have on with us Justin Rowan, host of the Chase Down podcast. We talked to him about all things Cavs, including the legendary block. We talk NBA and what is happening there. We're going to talk about college football championship predictions, and it is NFL playoff time. There's some big things happening in the NFL, and Kyler and I break that down for you. Remember to stay plugged into our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Burst Your Bubble. We're available everywhere you can get us, even on your Alexa devices. Remember to rate, review, and share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Kyle, we're back with another episode of Burst Your Bubble, and there is so much going on in the sports world right now. It is mind-blowing. There's a lot going on. I mean, the playoffs are here, Josh, and um, honestly, it doesn't still seemingly not seem real, but... uh, Wanted to give a shout out to my amazing wife real quick on Saturday, Josh. She let me sleep in. I, Josh, I woke up at like 1130 on Saturday, woke up just in time to get a cup of coffee, you know, rolled a little medicinal smoking device, sit down for lunch, right for kickoff. How amazing is that? That is that is incredible. Kyler, we are two lucky guys because my wife pretty much did let me do the same thing. Uh, we watched a little bit of TV in the morning. And then as soon as football happened, I said, look, this is going to be my day. I'm going to sit in front of this TV all day. We can DoorDash uh, some food in if you want, but this is, I'm not moving from this chair. And it was a glorious Saturday of football. It was. Uh, so let's get right to it. That first game of the day, Bill's Colts. And I told you, Josh, that front four was going to bother Josh Allen, make him get the ball out quicker limit the rollouts, and also the rushing attack from India. I mean, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines had monster days. Oh, yeah. No, you. I mean, you, you called it exactly right. Every, people can rush on the Bills. That is a weak spot of the defense. Um, but we were both right in the fact that Josh Allen is a winner. Whenever it came down to it, Josh Allen just made the plays. He was having to scramble out of the pocket, uh, make the sideline throws. There were so many balls in this game that were right on the sideline. Uh, had to review in the last few minutes of the game just to make sure it was actual catches. I thought Phillip Rivers actually did a good job. Um, it's just a Phillip Rivers kind of game. You know, he ends up throwing over 300 yards, two touchdowns, uh, staying in it super competitively. I mean, you couldn't ask much more from the veteran in this kind of game. Well, uh, Josh, the Colts dominated the, the time of possession. They outrushed, they outpassed, they ran 20 more plays. Um, however, you know, two minutes left in the game, no timeouts. Phil Rivers needs a score. And uh, Josh, one day, if they make a, if somebody makes a bad movie about Phil Rivers, they can't even use the storyline. It's too played out. It's been it's been used too many times. Yeah, you're right. Every every game Philip Rivers has, it seems like it goes all right. Philip Philip Rivers, no timeouts, two minutes left, down by three. Him throwing a hail mary into the end zone as time expires. And Josh, this hail mary, the one that inevitably was batted down by the by the uh, bills pretty easily that was really sad it was you know it was just all the hopes that they had philip Rivers is a competitive guy you hate for his season to go down like that he feels like every year is the year and it just couldn't put it together i will say uh they were very aggressive they went for two at one point um, when they really didn't need to make sense Um, so they went for two they could have kicked two field goals went for it on fourth down didn't get either one of them so you know they're 
there were some mistakes, but you know, there were some risky calls made that did not pay off. I, I, I we can say they're mistakes now because it's hindsight and that's 2020. Mm. Um, but I, these were just gutsy plays, aggressive plays that just did not pan out for this Indianapolis team. But when you're going against a team like the Bills, the Chiefs, you have to score touchdowns. Yeah. You don't kick field goals kinds of games. So I understand the need to go for it there, but uh, you know, like in the playoffs, sometimes it's better just to take points when you can get them. That's right, Josh. And uh, sa- Saturday proved my 30-point theory exactly right. I mean, the Colts needed to score 30 points to win that ball game, and they just could not get it done. But the real story moving forward from that game was Josh Allen. The confidence, like you said, that he can take from that game, played extremely well, looked comfortable even in times of distress, um, was fortunate. I think the Colts couldn't get the job done. As much as Josh Allen showed that he is a winner, I hate to say it, but Phil Rivers showed that he's a loser. So I don't know that that, that that's Philip Rivers being a loser. I'd say that he had some really bad throws on that last possession. Um, I think that was probably the the, the game, uh, play calling, not really matching up to what they had to do, and I don't think it really worked. But I, I watched that entire game, and there were so many drops, easy drops for guys that Philip Rivers had. Uh, G dropped a couple. Uh, Pittman dropped a huge one, two yards down the field, uh, probably been a touchdown. You know, I think it's one of those games where I don't know that – Personally, I would call him a loser. Going to the Bills, so I text you in the game that it would be very – it's going to be scary now that Josh Allen has won a playoff game. He has some confidence. Um, who do they play next, Skyler? Uh, the divisional round, they're going to – it's to be determined. So the winner of Brown Steelers. Oh, so okay. Well, that'll be interesting because – The Browns. Here, so here's what, here's what I think here, Kyler. I think that – the Bills have a better matchup against the City Chiefs than they do Baltimore Ravens. Say that one more time. So I think the Bills have a better matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs than they do the Baltimore Ravens. So if they make it through the divisional round, and if I'm Buffalo, I think that I'm preferring to play Kansas City than I am Baltimore. And the only reason I say that is because their secondary has been playing really well. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He's going to torch you, but I think that you can minimize that damage, whereas you can't stop the run. You just you cannot stop the run, and Baltimore Ravens have been rushing for over 250 yards for multiple games in a row. They rush for over 400 yards. So I think if I'm the Bills, I think I would much rather play Kansas. Yeah, and not only not only are they getting that many rushing yards, Josh, but they're stopping the run. I mean, you saw what they did to uh, King Henry today. It limited him to – or yesterday, limited him to 80 yards. So um, – I mean, very impressive. That was today. I'm yesterday as you're listening to this. Uh, let's move on, Josh, to the second game of Saturday. I was asleep for most of this game. Like I said, I would be. Uh, Rams, Seahawks. So uh, tell me what happened. Well, Kyler, you not have fell asleep because uh, I text you towards the end of the game or maybe been right after and said, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Sean McVay be crazy to take that job in the booth that you predicted at the beginning of the season because – they went out there and proved why they have the number one defense in the NFL. That defense played nominally. So DK Metcalf starts out the game. It's almost through the first quarter, slamming his helmet on the ground. He's had one target. Russell Wilson's only thrown four passes. Uh, they can't get anything going. The the Rams are just shoving it down. It is into a Russell Wilson pick six. Puts the Rams up even more. They're up 10 at the, from the field goal that they kicked before. 
they're getting even behind, they're frustrated, they can't get it going. And that was the story of the game. It was it was Aaron Donald, the Rams defense, just shutting Seattle down. Uh, well, you know, the Rams started Wolford in the game, uh, but John Wolford got hit by Jamal Adams right on top of the head, left in an ambulance. I still haven't heard uh, what happened to John Wolford after the game. I haven't read any of the reports. But that's when Jared Goff come in with his 12 days out of surgery thumb um, and plays in the NFL playoffs and wins the game. I mean, this shows some heart out of Goff for sure. And, um, I mean, it does show that, you know, McVay is not quite ready to go up to the booth, even though I would, he, he would be making – quite a bit more money and only working one day a week instead of all seven like he does as an NFL coach but uh the Rams they are a scary team Josh like I said you know at at points through the season both of these teams look look like Super Bowl contenders and the Rams may look like one uh on Saturday let's move on to Saturday night so uh, before we move on I, I just wanted to relate your take on on the Rams uh you know early in the season I don't know if it was last year or two years ago when Minnesota beat New Orleans playoffs. Um, so w- whenever we first listened to the podcast, we were really big listening in pardon me, and PFT threw the Dunn chain on the Minnesota Vikings four weeks in. And we don't do the chain on this pod. You guys, you could to do it on the Rams at about week four. And I think that you're going to see the same situation where Minnesota wins one game and then goes home. I, I think exactly what happened with the Los Angeles Rams uh, they got they got through that first game, but I think from here, uh, I think they go in the next round. So the Rams, who do they play next round? The Rams gonna have the Packers, right? Rams Packers. Yeah, so. yeah. There's no shot, no shot. So let's move on. Saturday night, Tom Brady. I mean, Josh, he had a battle on it. Yeah, like it, uh, Chase Young, Sweat. Uh, I mean, that whole front four for that Washington team. They are going to be the, they're going to be attacking the NFC East for a long, long time. Uh, I mean, I think they're going to be real contenders for that division for the next five, ten years. And the quarterback, Josh, I can't Heineke. Uh, Josh, I don't even. Uh, where did he come from? What, what was he doing last week? Uh, he was sitting on their bench. I mean, he he's uh, he's been that guy. He's from uh, Wake Forest, I think, four year Wake Forest starter. Um, I the poise that he showed in some of those moments was just incredible. He's an athlete, man. That kid was making really, really athletic plays as a quarterback out there, reading the defense, reading his pocket presence was incredible. I mean, a couple of those scrambles he had to extend drives. It was very impressive what that kid was doing out there, and he had a chance to go out and tie tie the game, but could not get it done in the end. Uh, Tom Brady. We'll move on to the next round, and uh, who do they have next round, Josh? The Saints, Buccaneers. The Saints. Saints. Yeah. Tom Brady and Drew is a tale as old as time. Uh, but looking at that Washington team, I think what really, uh, you know, was the downfall of this team was that they were established the run, and they never could really get the run going. And in the NFL, it's one of the most important things that you have to do is establish the run. And if you're not able to do that, it doesn't open up the play action. It makes Taylor Heineke have to make plays at the corner of the end zone that his receiver dropped at the last second, I mean, it makes him have to do those incredible things where establish the run, then you are have a lot better chance of winning the game. Um, I do want to give, you know, just a huge, huge shout out to Ron Rivera and this Washington football yeah. team, because, you know, obviously the NFC East is trash, but coming out of that division, making it to the playoffs, having a young team, not having a, a starting quarterback there that's been there all season to do what they did in battle against the Buccaneers. Kudos to those guys. 
Well, yeah, they did go seven and nine, so not too many kudos, but yeah, good job. Uh, so kicked off sun- Sunday morning or s- Sunday at twelve, I should say, Josh. Your Ravens, I mean, like like I mentioned earlier, shut down King Henry. They said they knew they knew the game plan. They knew the Titans needed to establish the run so they could set up that play action, like you just said. The Ravens were having none of it, and Lamar Jackson did everything he needed to do to win that game. So I am very scared uh, going against the Kansas City Chiefs next week. Um, but be. in this game. Our defense, our defense looked incredible because we stopped the run. We stopped the run, and we made Ryan Tannehill beat us. And I, I don't have enough faith in Ryan Tannehill, uh, and neither did the Ravens' defense coordinator. Uh, Greg Rowan was throwing some great offensive plays out there, yeah. pulled guards each way. Obviously, the Ravens' identity is to run the football, um, and but the fans know the offense. They know what we have on the offensive end of the football, but prize everyone was the defense has been playing well but this just showed in big playoff moments that this defense could pull it out what scares me is the defense that pulled it out was up front we dominated the line of scrimmage we did not let the run game get going but our secondary uh, our secondary you know in the first half kind of got torched a little bit Mm. Uh, so that kind of scares me going up against Patrick Mahomes and some of the best uh, wide receiver uh, playing the NFL but what I'm okay with is the fact that the Ravens got down 10-0 early in the game. Lamar Jackson throws a pick. They give up a field goal. Down 10-0 early in the game, and we pull out the win. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was a – from that moment on, it was pretty dominant by the Ravens. Um, you know, I never really felt like it was – there were a few times where, like, okay, they might tie it up. But it was – control the game. And having that poise for Lamar Jackson, just like Josh Allen, coming in winning the first playoff game – that is a lot of confidence moving forward, and that's what makes this Baltimore Ravens team even more scary than before. The The narrative is off. The narrative is out of there. Now it's on to Lamar Jackson's kryptonite in the Kansas City Chiefs, and this is going to be my my prediction. Holding true that the Super Bowl, or at least this division, this conference, goes through Baltimore and Kansas City. These two teams hmm. are going to be the two teams battling it out for Super Bowls for the next decade. Absolutely. I mean, that's... Not a, not a hot take by you at all. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, Josh, I, only 20 points, though. I mean, you've got to be a little bit scared. Going, I mean, you said you didn't trust Ryan Tannehill to beat you. Um, you know you, you know goddamn well you trust Patrick Mahomes to beat you. And I think that that's a – I think we have to go into that with a completely different game plan. We don't go into this game with all focus on shutting down the run like you do when you're facing Derrick Henry. I mm-hmm. think that you're going to have to play a completely kind of defensive game um, – so, like, I mean, I said, you know, it scares me a little bit because our up front, our defensive line has been a little bit better than our secondary, but we still have a great secondary. Smith, Marcus Peters, I mean, our, our secondary is good, but Patrick Mahomes is great. So um, it will be a, a tale of can we establish the run on this Kansas City defense and can we not get down a lot early? I know we did that against Tennessee and it worked. We came back. But if we can keep it close to and get a lead, I think that is ideal, obviously. Definitely, and I, someone who benefited from that today was Drew Brees and his defense. I mean, that defense making plays for him. I mean, pre, without that pick six, I mean, that Josh is nine to fourteen. The Bears have a chance to win that game late. Mitch Trubisky. I mean, he did Mitch Trubisky things today. He didn't turn the ball over, but he had a touchdown for well, I think hundred yards. He did. I mean, as much as you could ask from him, but I, that's a what you'd expect from from the Saints to just a grinded out game and. The Saints are going to get beat next next round by the Buccaneers. Uh, I think that this is a very exciting game next round. I think that this game, what we, uh, the Saints have a really good defense. I think that that is overlooked. 
the Saints defense has been winning games even when Drew Brees was out. Uh, you know, it wasn't Taysom Hill putting the team on his back and throwing for 400 yards or anything like that. It was his defense grinding out wins, what they need to do. And they had exactly against the Bears. Mitch Trubisky, 200 yards and a touchdown. You know, obviously that's not going to get it done in a, a, a veteran's defense in the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I, w- I was surprised that Taysom Hill threw any passes in the game, but you know Drew Brees twenty-eight for thirty-nine, two hundred sixty-five yards and two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara nine yards and a touchdown. Uh, I think that the Saints are right where they need to be. I think that this game with Tampa Bay is going to depend on who has the ball last. And if you want to talk about a tale old as time, in what could be one of their last seasons, one of them is probably going to end up no timeouts, two minutes left, game on the line. Yeah. That's definitely how it's going to end. Oh, um, for our sake, I hope it does. And uh, Josh, that's about all the football I've got to talk about. I mean, obviously, we're a peek behind the curtain here. We are we are watching, or the Browns game is going on right now, and they're leading twenty-one to zero. So uh, the game is over, right? The Browns are moving on. I'm gonna knock on this uh, this wood uh, dresser that I'm sitting at right in front of me. I'm not going to jinx them. I've seen crazier things happen, Pete, uh, the Patriots in the Super Bowl. No, the uh, Steelers got to give up the sticks. They're, they're down 21. 21 to – wait, have they had possession since? They haven't. They, it's That's, you, got, you, have to, you have to give possession back once, and if they don't God, score, it's game over. Come on, man. You know, you, they can't. They're not going to be able to do anything. So, uh, Josh, that's all, that's all the football I have to talk about. I mean, I can't wait to talk – a little bit more basketball the rest of this week. Uh, we have another huge guest coming on uh, to talk Thunder basketball. Josh, I know you're excited for that on Thursday f- for Friday's episode. Um, I want to give a shout out to Joaquin Neiman. Uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna try to have him on the show. I've mentioned how you know my connection with him. His English, I don't think, is still that great, but he's currently in a playoff right now for um, for the Century Champion Century Tournament of Champions. So this is a tournament that only. Um, you can only enter this tournament if you won a PGA tournament last season. So uh, very stacked field, and he's actually in a playoff. He shot nine oh, under. Wow. So, he, I mean, he's doing really well. He shot nine under today to uh, to make the playoff, make it into a playoff, and they've played four holes. They're still tied, so they're going to finish that playoff, Josh, at four in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, talk about a, uh, an early start. His tea time is his tea time says okay now it says five a.m. I'm now it says four I don't know but that so shout out Joaquin Neiman hopefully he gets that dub in the morning. So a couple of things I just want to talk about before we get out of here, Kyler. Um, the Oklahoma City Thunder are on a bit of a I think it's a two game maybe three game win streak right now. Um, the Thunder is looking really good. We just beat the Brooklyn Nets and we might be seeing blossoming of Hamadou Diallo. Josh, I, he is. Pretty good, huh? He does a lot of really underrated things. He does. And and one thing that he hasn't done in the past is score the basketball. I mean, before two games ago, his, his season high was nine points. In the past two games, I think two, uh, last game he was 16. This game he had 21, right. 25. He had 25 points this game, four steals, four assists, three rebounds. I mean, he's just doing the things that you need him to do. Uh, Shea Gill just 31 points. So, I mean, this team is, is really putting it together. A young team, I, I don't think a lot of people had them winning this. We are nine games in, and we have a winning record. Shea in his past two games, 25-10 and 10 against the Knicks, and then 31-6-7 and seven tonight against the Nets. So, shout-out SGA. So, the Thunder is looking good. And the Knicks, by the way, look really bad because they only scored 89 points tonight. Just absolutely got demolished tonight. Mm-hmm. So, it was not a look for them. Uh I don't know if that was necessary. But the one thing that I want to uh, just talk about real quick is what is the NBA going to do about COVID? Yeah, Josh. That's, I, and honestly, I meant to ask uh, 
I meant to ask Justin Rowan about this once you're about to hear this interview with him. I meant to ask him about this. Um, he may have some more insider information than I do because I don't know, man. It's, I mean, it's getting a little bit scary. It's getting a little bit MLB-ish, a little NFL-ish. I mean, I, I, the Sixers couldn't even play, or the Sixers played eight guys last night. Um, some team could not play tonight. Uh, it's it's not looking good, Josh. Yeah, but, you know, if I'm, if I'm Philadelphia and you postponed the next game because they had eight guys and you just made me play with eight guys, I'm – I'm probably a little upset today. Yeah, like but I didn't see that option. Now y'all told me I just had to play with eight guys. Yeah, out there with the with the Dean string. I, I I'm not sure what's going on. But uh, hopefully they do get something under control. And I, I actually tweeted this out. You know, not and this was you know being not selfish at all. You know, being completely a compassionate human being, um, a humble American. Pro athletes should definitely get the vaccine first. Uh, over the seventy, over the sixty-five and older group, um, and our healthcare John, workers. Am I watching those people play basketball, Josh? You're watching some of them, Coach. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Greg Popovich needs that vaccine. I I guarantee he got it because he fits in that category. I guarantee you he's gotten it. You got Josh. You got me messed up if you think LeBron James has not had that vaccine. I, I have you seen him take it because I feel like he would probably live stream that. Or like a picture. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think we're about to play this interview, that great interview coming up with Justin Rowan, host of the Chase Down Pod, part of the Blue Wire Network. Kyler, do you have any uh, plugs you want to give before we get to the interview? Yeah, make sure you all give us a follow at Kyler012. That's my Twitter. Josh's Twitter is at jkeatno 22 Make sure you're following the podcast page, Sports BYBP. That's on Twitter. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. And like I said, make sure you – subscribe rate and review if you haven't done it in a while go back and redo it unsubscribe resubscribe re-rate re-review leave us a comments in the review it really helps us out uh go follow blue wire blue wire pods blue wire hustle unwrap sports and enjoy this interview with justin rowan so are you from canada are you uh originally born and raised winnipeg yeah i'm i'm from canada uh, born and raised winnipeg um so so you've what about a Cavs fan? You've always been a Cavs fan. Yeah, yeah, I've always been a Cavs fan since I was growing up. Just uh, was trying to pick a Central Division team. Yeah. Um, and Chicago felt like bandwagoning because at that point, I was just still pretty close to Jordan. Um, Detroit, I liked. Milwaukee had no no interest in doing that. Uh, so yeah, it just kind of worked out that way and. I'm I'm loyal. It's just one of one of my many flaws. So <laughs> yeah, I've always kind of uh, wondered about that. How Canadians kind of pick an NBA team, or maybe just uh, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of random. I mean, Winnipeg and Cleveland are really similar in terms of like fan mentality. Both are kind of like tortured sports cities. Um, mm, okay, we lost the Jets. They lost the Browns. Both yeah. teams came back. Um, like. Very recently, um, my entire life, uh, so I was born in 91. Yeah. The last championship Winnipeg had won was 1990. And then they just won uh, the Grey Cup in 2019. So that was like a 29-year drought. So the Cavs ended the the first drought for me. And then uh, the, the Bombers uh, pulled through and did that. So we'll get to that Cavs victory in just a little bit. Justin Rowan, co-host of the Chase Down Pod, is joining us. He's a must-follow on Twitter. Uh, he is a part of the Blue Wire Mothership Network. You know, we always talk about the Blue Wire Hustle Network that Josh and I are a part of. Uh, Justin is a part of the Mothership over there at Blue Wire with the Chase Down Pod. Make sure you give that a, a subscribe, rate, and review. Um, so let's get into it. 
the Chase Down Pod, obviously that name. Uh, you know, Josh, I wish he was here to talk about it. Will anything ever top that in your sports fandom? Oh, that's um, that's hard to say. Um, it, it's funny because it, there was like jubilation with that, but at the same time, it was more a sense of relief. Um, I, I like to tell the story. So we did a rewatch of the 2016 finals over the COVID hiatus. That's insane. We did too. And one of the things that uh, we did was rewatch those games and kind of break down each one and talk larger concepts and whatever. And game seven was the one we actually did with Larry Nance Jr. So that was a lot of fun. And what was striking for me, so I didn't watch, I didn't rewatch any of the 2016 finals because I'm weird and I thought the result would change in my head. Not actually, like intellectually, I knew that that wasn't going to happen. But at the same time, I hadn't watched it before. And I hadn't watched most of the possessions down the stretch in game seven because every single time my face was in my hands i i could not watch any warriors possessions the only one that i did watch in basically that last five minutes um well up until the shot was the block because igadala fast break i was like you know what it's not like this is a set play i know that they're just going to score here it's whatever i don't need to put my hand face in my hands and luckily i got to witness the block so that that, that was the one time i was watching so uh doing the rewatch for our city of champions series was uh, a lot of fun and it was interesting to see all the things that i had missed so uh, and tell us a little bit how, and josh has now joined us for the for the listeners uh, that aren't watching us are listening on your listening devices josh just joined the podcast so uh welcome josh how are you buddy fantastic justin great to have you on uh, i really appreciate you uh joining us ready to talk some calves uh, obviously you were talking about the the historic block, the <laughs> block. Uh, Kyler tried rivaling, rivaling it to uh, Bam Adebayo's block in the playoffs uh, just a few months ago. So, um, what on, on that? What's your take? Which was the better block, LeBron James or Bam on Jason oh. Tatum? So, I, I think obviously the LeBron block is always going to be more significant. I think the Bam uh, play like that, that is one of the craziest kind of set defense blocks I've ever seen. Like, the strength of that wrist is just like it. I still can't really comprehend that that happened. Uh, it just feels like it's out of this world. Um, so, I, I'm still like from a history perspective, you're just not going to beat uh, LeBron's block there. It's crazy the amount of ground that he covered. Um, but that band play is just like uh, all-time feet. Uh, really blows my mind. It's it's great. Absolutely. Right up and there. Kyler and I also did. I don't know if Kyler mentioned this before I've done, but we did a uh, whenever we first started the podcast. We started it with no sports going on. Uh, we started the day before they canceled the Thunder and Jazz game. So oh. we so we spent a lot of time with no sports. And uh, to get us by that, we did a we rewatched the Cavs Warriors final series. Josh, they did too on the Chase Down Pod. Oh, How great! Cr- that's, yeah. that's so great. I, I want it'd be insane if we actually did that at the exact same times too. I, I promise that we didn't steal that from you guys. But uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, tell us a little bit how you guys started podcasting. How long you've been doing it? And uh, obviously, you know, you said you you talked to how the how your fandom for the Cavs came from, but uh, how did you start talking about them? Yeah, so that's a great question. I actually, um, to go all the way back, I've said that the decision was one of the best things that ever happened to me as a sports fan. Um, Obviously, as a massive Cavs fan leading up to that, but going through the decision, um, going through all those emotions, and then after that, in that period, 
really learning to no longer live and die with every single result. I mean, you, you just couldn't do that over an 82 game season when the Cavs are losing 26 games in a row. If you mm-hmm. die after every result, you can't die 26 times over. You, you got you got to kind of put everything in perspective. Um, so once LeBron left, at that point, my entire life of being a Cavs fan was rooting for LeBron and the Cavs. So you kind of not 100% sure where your allegiances are going to fall. And I found myself bonding with the fan base, like I, especially coming from a, a cursed sports town in Winnipeg. Um, I found it very relatable. Like I, I really connected to the fan base. And, and to me, that's when I started getting more invested, uh, started reading Fear the Sword, eventually did some fan posts there. They, they brought me on as temporary staff and they brought me on full time. And that's really kind of how this all got started. Um, actually, the very I think the second thing I had ever done for Fear the Sword uh, before I was even writing for them was a Fear the Fans podcast. I put together mm-hmm. a podcast because I, I liked the idea of a podcast. And that was one of the things that kind of got their attention. So I've been doing this for a while now. I guess that was like 2011, 2012. Um, and it's just kind of grown from there. So did you think uh, as a Cavs fan, whenever LeBron left with the decision, did you, one, did you ever think he was going to come back? And two, did you expect mm-hmm. to win a championship in that next decade so that's actually a really funny question because i had said that uh within a year of him leaving so when we got Kyrie, i was saying that he was going to come back in 2014. um i was like tongue-in-cheek to some extent but i was saying it was all part of a conspiracy theory uh david stern dan gilbert they're all in on it uh, i was really having fun with it uh basically saying they just need to restock the cupboard for a couple years and I predicted, um, I, I've deleted the tweets since then, but in 2012, mm-hmm. I said that the Cavs were going to win the 2015 title, which I came really close to, really damn close to being right on that. And that would have been dumb luck. Uh, but I was just a very big believer in Kyrie. Um, and once he kind of blossomed and it was clear what he was, I thought that, hey, this could be a potential opportunity for LeBron to come back and kind of finish what he started. And that goes into the whole Stephen A. Smith conspiracy about LeBron tanking that last series against the Celtics to leave so the Cavs <laughs> could get better draft picks. So it's See, that's exactly what I was going to – that's crazy. Josh even brought that question up because I was going to ask, you know, was it a conspiracy? You know, LeBron leaves so they can get the first pick, get Kyrie, come back, that finally win a championship. But, you know, we'll move past that. You know, it doesn't water <laughs> under the bridge now. So we'll talk I'll, about I'll, I'll quickly answer. I don't think it was. I just think LeBron is that calculating. And as much as people talk about um, he only came back to Cleveland because he's from the area and whatnot, that's not the way LeBron works. He's competitive. What people don't talk about often enough was the Cavs had the best basketball situation. No Mm. one saw the Warriors coming, but you had Kyrie Irving as a number. Well, keep in mind, they thought Kyrie was the number three. They traded for Kevin Love to be the number two. They had the assets to go get Kevin Love. They had the assets to round out that roster around Kyrie. Kyrie ended up blossoming and being the number two. But um, LeBron's cold and calculating. And uh, it's. I think the, the biggest proof that it was because of what the Cavs had built was the fact that after the slow start when he first came back to Cleveland, there was already talk, oh, he's just going to go back to Miami. He's going to leave. Like That's not what he was saying in the letter. <laughs> Right. That's, that's true. And uh, as a Canadian, though, taking Andrew Bennett number one before we go on, move on to the 2015 and 16 titles. How, how does it how much does that presently sit with you? Does it I mean, do you think about it twice a day? 
so yeah it haunts me a little bit i do remember very vividly where i was when the Cavs drafted anthony bennett and i was going to a blue bomber season opener at the bar pre-gaming uh before i walked to the stadium and i was so mad i was so mad that they drafted bennett i was like walking to the stadium i was ready to fight anybody that day. <laughs> like i was just i was so upset and everyone's trying to congratulate me they're like oh highest drafted canadian blah 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 no no, I was not for that. I, I was just absolutely beside myself. I was not a fan of that. I, I wanted Otto Porter Jr., which, I mean, that hasn't aged that well, but would have been better than Ben. Would have been a little bit better. <laughs> so, Keller, did you want to get into the 2015? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I did. So, uh, you know, you did lose to that crazy uh, – that Warriors team, it was, you know – destined to be their year i mean i'm sure you would you and many others would say without some key injuries things may have played out a bit differently no yeah i i think so uh, um and i think it's worth noting that if i have to be like completely honest with myself i think if both teams were healthy you would have reversed years that the Cavs would have won in 2015 whereas would have won in 2016 um i i mean people don't give the the full kind of stock of injuries like uh, 2015 you got jr smith he busted up his shooting hand in game one he did the exact same thing in 2016 as well couldn't really mm-hmm. shoot until game three because he had tore up his hand uh kevin loves concussion people don't talk about they don't talk about Kyrie getting hurt in game six uh but then there's also bogut there's igadala there's curry there like there's so many injuries and really the nba is a war of attrition if i had my way i wouldn't have changed the way things played out i think it's more fun this way um but yeah i i do think that the the cast were a little more prepared and i think people don't give enough credit to the leap that steph clay and draymond made in 2016 like they, they were still really really good in 2015 but clay and draymond in particular did take another leap and, and really really solidified themselves that following season i think draymond especially oh yeah absolutely and speaking, yeah. go ahead, Josh. Oh, and I was just going to say, you know, that, that team with the injuries, you're right. It doesn't get talked enough. There's a lot of people that just want to say, oh, you know, LeBron couldn't get it done again. But, mm-hmm. but you know, at the end of the day, you have to play with what you go out there with. And unfortunately, that was the case. I think it's still very, I think it just speaks to how great LeBron James is. The fact that he still was able to go out there and perform as well as he did and keep dragging those teams to the finals and over and over. And every, every time someone would count him out, he did it again. So as a Cavaliers fan, I mean, after so long getting that championship must have been just a great feeling for you. Oh, it, it was phenomenal. Uh-huh. Um, just it was such a sense of relief. Um, I did a drunk podcast immediately. Yeah. I was going to ask was... you what you did that night. Yeah. I, know you were drunk. I, I watched it by myself in my apartment and um, <laughs> love it drinking drinking away because i had promised people if they came back um i was going to deliver a drunk podcast and i did just that um so that that was a lot of fun um but yeah more than anything it was a sense of relief like i think when you're talking about like just pure most fun moments um beating up on the toronto raptors or the atlanta Mm. hawks when it's just that three-point barrage and everything's cooking man that's a lot of fun and i still think the happiest moment, if I'm going to trace my happiest moment as a cast man of just pure joy, was the first half of game one 
2009 against the Magic when Mo Williams hit the the half court shot to go into the half and they had that big lead right. and they're playing Cleveland Rocks on on, uh, on the broadcast and I'm just thinking you know what they're going to go undefeated they're going to win uh, the title it's finally going to end I'm going to get what I've been waiting for and then I was taken down to size and um, then I had to become more measured over the years but uh, that that was definitely the most pure joy I experienced. Well, yeah. And you know, you got to be a part of LeBron James ending so many people's careers in one spot or <laughs> coaches careers. I mean, look what he did to Paul George all those years. Look what he did to Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. I mean, you know, just the things that those Cavs teams have been able to do is just incredible. Um, I actually wanted to ask about, uh, Kyle, I don't know if you still have anything about 2015 or anything, but I actually wanted to ask about the future or, mm-hmm. you know, what you guys have right now. Yeah. I, I, I want to get to that, but 2016, I've got one more question. Yep. You're down 3-1. We talked so much about Draymond's, Draymond's how how much he really came on in that 15-16 finals. If he doesn't get suspended, do they win that game? I think they would have had a shot at that game. I think the more important question is, and like it's one of those butterfly flaps its wing situations. If he's playing, does Andrew Bogut get hurt? Because when Bogut went down, um, the rim opened up. Like, that was a big thing that Kyrie and LeBron were able to get to the rim. Um, I, I think in game six and seven, you saw that they could win with Draymond out there. Um, one of my favorite stats from that series was when the Warriors would go to the death lineup, it was a net negative. It was a net negative for that series, and that was one of their best lineups. And that was largely to do with the versatility of Tristan Thompson, someone that was was big but could play small ball defense. So um, I, I think they still would have had a shot in that game. Um, but I, I do think that the Bogut injury is almost bigger than the yeah. suspension in a lot of ways. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I never really thought about how much it opened up after Bogut left. But you are right. And that's what, I mean, at that time, that's exactly what LeBron was still feeding on, you know, being able to drive in. And, you know, if he could finish, he would. If not, kick out to Kyrie. Um, but yeah, so I want to talk about the present, you know, with what you guys have, Colin Sexton, the team that you guys are building around him. How do you feel about the Cavs' current situation? And what's, if I'm, you know, just joining basketball and, I, and I'm from Cleveland, I'm 14 years old and I'm becoming a Cavs fan, what do I have to look forward to? I think what you'd be selling right now is that the Cavs are building a foundation for something sustainable. Um, Over the last couple of years, Kobe Altman's made a lot of different trades where they've been fortunate enough to take on salary in order to get extra draft picks. Uh, I guess that's one of the advantages of having Dan Gilbert as an owner is even when you're a bad team, he's willing to spend, right? Um, So what they've done since then is really draft hardworking guys um i think culture and accountability is something that they put a premium on um darius garland colin sexton isaac okoro those are three guys with really strong work ethics they're guys that kobe altman is very familiar with through working with team usa Mm -hmm. and they have a relationship with each other i I think it's smart to draft guys that you have that extra intel on through his time with team usa and the other advantage is and this is important in today's NBA, if you're drafting guys that are already friends with each other off the court, they don't have to leave to go team up with their buddies in, in a couple years. So um, I, I do think that while there may be not a franchise superstar type guy on the team, um, they do have the foundation of something that's good. Uh, their player development staff has been very impressive. And uh, they, they seem to be turning the, the direction of the franchise around. They're finally building a positive identity that isn't tied to LeBron James. 
Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, a lot of these players already being friends when they come into the league, and I think the AAU circuit has changed a lot of that um, with the younger kids playing basketball here uh, across. I, I don't know. Do they have AAU in Canada? Uh, no, m- most of uh, most of the Canadian players go go south for that. Canada is it, yeah. I'm so uh, we're from Oklahoma, by the way. Uh, I don't know if we we mentioned that. It's uh, I, I don't know. It seems like, it, I, was, I was about to say it seems like a foreign land, but it technically is. But okay. So <laughs> anyways, let's move. Let's go ahead. Let's so about that Cavs team though. I mean, you're right. They play, play hard each and every night. Uh, I kind of like them to the liken them to this Thunder team that Josh and I watched so much. Um, similar in a lot of places in the sense that. At best, we may be contending for a playoff spot, maybe mm-hmm. maybe in t- nine, ten speed, nine, ten seed. But you know, and at best, maybe one of our guys can make an All Star team. Yeah. But what we do have is a ton of draft picks and a ton of guys who can be traded for draft picks or packaged for a star. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in that case, which guys on this on this Cavs team do you think are most likely be, to be shipped out to a contender before the deadline? Uh, I, I mean, this year, I think it's probably going to be Andre Drummond. Um, hmm. I, I do think that while they were open to the possibility of an extension and a long-term fit, um, they didn't get much of a chance with him last season to develop that. Um, and the extension talks didn't go through. So with the free agent class not being as good as people anticipated and Drummond being a big expiring, maybe some team wants to kind of get a leg up there and, and trade for him. Um, I do think Kevin Love is eventually going to be shipped out. I don't think it's going to happen this season. I think that's an off-season thing where teams that were planning on making a splash in free agency still have all this cap space, and they still have uh, an opening there. So I think at that point, with only two years left on his deal and still being able to contribute, I think some team is going to kind of pull the trigger then because then there's just not as much money on that contract. Uh, but for this season, I think Drummond is probably the most likely uh, player to be moved at the deadline. Yeah, and you talk about Drummond being moved. I hear that a, a potential landing spot for that trade would be Atlanta, uh, giving uh, Cleveland wanted to move for Collins. Um, and they Because Collins, apparently there's a lot of rumors going around that he's unhappy with how much Trey Young dominates the offense. And uh, they would need a big man, and you would prefer, if you're Cleveland, you'd prefer Collins creating his own shot versus Andre Drummond. So uh, I think that that's uh, – I don't know if there's much traction there, but that is uh, one of the rumors I've heard. And I'm sure you guys would be happy to land a, a young guy in Collins. As a Hawks fan. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'd, <laughs> I'd be a little surprised by that. Um, I think the Hawks um, made an incredibly good decision with Onyeko Okongwu. Um, I do think – like, he, he was number one on my board. Like, I, I think he can be a – um, Bud Light version of BAM, a 80% version of what BAM brings to the table. Um, so I, I'm really high on that, and especially with Clint Capella being there, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't see that as a great landing spot. Um, they had the opportun- opportunity to trade for Drummond, but maybe they have some buyer's remorse and um, kind of want to make the, the move for him so he can mentor uh, Okongwu. So, I, I mean, it, it's certainly possible. Um, I think maybe Clippers would be in that mix um, if they're looking to kind of bolster that front court and upgrade from Zubak um, and get a big body to contend with the Lakers size. Uh, that would potentially make some sense. I think there are going to be suitors out there for him, um, especially with kind of the edge that you have that if you trade for him now not only is he going to clear up some cap space um not only is he going to help you down the stretch run but it gives you a leg up 
uh, for bringing him in and retaining him in free agency. So um, I do anticipate that there will be a little bit of a market. And that's something that Brian Windhorst has uh, indicated as well, that there are teams interested. And Keller, I will tell you that uh, I was looking at the score right now, Art up 15 points on the net. So uh, we're looking good tonight right now, late in the fourth. So, uh, Justin, what do you expect from the Cavaliers this season? What do you, you know? What's the highest expectations? That was that was my last question. So my prediction hasn't changed, even with the hot start that the Cavs had. Um, obviously, that's kind of gone to crap because they have lost everybody. Like the, the, they were without four of their starting lineup and three guys off the bench. And uh, last night they played Damian Dotson with Larry Nance at the two, Thon Maker at the three. Uh, JaVale McGee at the four and Drummond at the five. Like, they just don't have bodies right now. Uh, but my prediction for the season was 27 wins. Um, I, I think that they have the talent that when everything is clicking, they can compete with just about anyone in the league. But at the same time, when you are relying on guys that are in their first couple years in the league to initiate the offense, there is going to be a variance in that, that you're not going to get consistency out of them. There's going to be growing pains. You're going to have issues closing games. And, and that was what I was anticipating, that this is a year of growth. You're going to go out there. You're going to try to win every single game because with the flattened lottery odds, there's no real point of bo- bottoming out. As long as you're kind of in that bottom seven, you got a good shot. So develop the talent that you have. Learn those winning habits. You get one more lottery pick. You have cap space to round out the roster and then you can make an honest push for the playoffs the following season so that that's kind of been my um expectation for this year it is a year of growth um but what you guys talked about before of when you develop talent you can consolidate you can trade for a star player so um focusing on player development and trying to round out every single player on your roster could help you down the line guys we're with justin rowan host of the chase down pod part of the blue wire network and that's when i said that part of the blue wire network that's the last question we have for you today um obviously we are part of the blue wire hustle once again thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate talking uh any sports team you know we don't do a lot of cleveland talk so it was uh, great to have you on to talk some cleveland cavaliers the past and present so with my last question what how did you get involved in blue wire and what advice would you give anyone else who is starting up their own podcast yeah, absolutely. So we were with Blue Wire pretty much at the start. Um, initially, we had been independent. Then we were with uh, Leverage to Chat, which in, turned into Count the Ding, so uh, Jade Hoy's podcast network. Um, and then once that changed over, uh, we were no longer with that network and independent again. And um, us, along with Light Years, were, were brought in as the first batch of podcasts with Blue Wire. Um, my advice would be when it comes to podcasting is figure out what your voice is, who you are, and be honest with it. Like for me, I know where my blind spots are as a fan. When it comes to draft time, I don't watch a lot of the draft. I'm honest about that with my podcast listeners. And I, I bring on people that, that can bring that perspective. And I'm learning along with my listeners. I, I understand who I am. And when you're podcasting, you want to figure out what you are and accentuate that. Just add 10, 20% to what your personality is because then it's authentic. And you are selling people on yourself because there's so many podcasts out there. There's so many uh, options to listen to. You got to sell yourself. And, and that's what it really comes down to. You got to have confidence in yourself both in outside the podcasting world and it really translates to podcasts. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed about Blue Wire is they've been supportive. They've they've allowed us to do what we want to do our way. 
And when we did our rewatch series, which uh, it's in its own feed as well, if anyone wants to check out, it's a, a City of Champions is the name of the series. Uh, you can check that out. We had Bomani Jones on it, Jason Lloyd, Marcus Thompson, Larry Ness Jr. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, but when we did that, they let us execute our vision and, and work to enhance what we were already doing. So um, that was something that I, I was incredibly grateful for. And one of the things that makes Blue Wire so unique once again, I mean, Justin Rowan, thank you so much for joining us. So go subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, the Chase Down Pod. Thank you, buddy. No problem. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Look forward to the next time. What a great interview with Justin Rowan. It's all being able to talk to people who have established themselves with podcasts or established themselves uh, in social media, on social media, things like that, and especially someone who knows as much about the Cavaliers as he does. That was a great conversation. I look forward to having him back on, Kyler. Yeah, and not only established himself, you know, in the podcast game and in the social media game, but also just a great and fun person to talk to. So uh, shout out to Justin for giving his time to us. And uh, Josh, that's about going to do it for us. But last thing, uh, as you're listening to this, you may be watching the national championship. I mean, Ohio State, Alabama are playing in the national championship Monday night. Alabama's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Josh, who do you got? I'm probably going to take Alabama. Uh, I just I think that they're the best team in college football. I think it's going to be very tough to beat them. I do think this is going to be a really good matchup. I'm definitely here for all the prop bets. I'm here uh, to watch it tomorrow night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Kyler, what do you think the biggest thing in this game for Alabama is going to be? The run game. But, Josh, if you think about Ohio State, this is, what, their eighth game of the season? So I mean, they should be right into the prime of their season where Alabama is towards the end, maybe maybe a little more nicked up, maybe a little more fatigued from the season, from, from traveling, from school, from every, anything else they've been doing. So uh, maybe advantage of Ohio State. And that's actually why I'm going to pick the plus eight and a half here. I'm not sure I'm picking them to win, but I, I've got the plus eight and a half. So something to watch here is going to be Justin Fields' rib injury. Uh, mm. Ryan Day has been saying that he's good to go. He's going to play, uh, but we will find that out tomorrow night for sure. Uh, this game, I think, is going to be all about which team uh, can establish the run uh, early on. And I think that you'll see Alabama do that. And I think that it's going to open Mac Jones up. Uh, Dante Smith is going to be able to catch a lot of balls like he's been doing. There's a reason that he won the Heisman Trophy, only the third wide receiver to do so. So uh, this Alabama team, I think, is going to impose their will on, on Ohio State. I do think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be the game that, that we uh, – you know, expected whenever Ohio State made it into the playoffs after their six-game season. Um, but I am taking Alabama all the way. I actually have them over eight and a half. I, I think it's going to be – I hope, Josh, I don't, I don't want to jinx it, but I think this is going to be an absolute shootout. I, man, I, I, it's going to look like a Big 12 game. I do. I think the numbers are going to be up there. You're going to see a high-scoring game. And before, you know, we get out of here and – this is not the championship, but the Big 12 went undefeated in bowl games. Yeah. Just saying, I'm going to leave that there. And shout out to the Big 12 and shout out to uh, Oklahoma State. You know, we dropped a couple in the past couple of days, but uh, you know, when you lose, it, it, it's a you never lose, you learn, Josh. So uh, always keep that in mind. Yeah, they came out and played exactly like they needed to against Miami, and then OU just completely dominates Florida. The that whole state's just feeling a feeling a beating right now. So. Sorry for those. Oh, you played a hell of a game too, showing why they uh, were right there in contention for the playoffs. No doubt about it. Uh, all right, Josh. We'll see you on Thursday. All right. Talk to you later.